And he said, Betty Ann, I cannot live in prison as an innocent man for something I did not do. I'm just not going to make it here. And in the same conversation, he said to me, but if you, Betty Ann, go to school, go to law school, become a lawyer, you'll get me out of here. This is Lawyer to Lawyer, the award-winning legal podcast with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi. West Coast meets East Coast, and yes, they are attorneys, bringing you the latest legal news and observations every week with the leading experts in the legal profession. Produced right here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. We're glad you could listen today. This is Bob Ambrogi coming to you from Massachusetts. And I'm Craig Williams from sunny Southern California. I write a legal blog called May It Please the Court and have a book out called How to Get Sued. I'd like to thank our sponsors, SunTrust, who offers private wealth management solutions for attorneys and legal firms at suntrust.com slash law, and Clio, a web-based practice management software program for lawyers at goclio.com. I write a blog called Law Sites and another blog called Media Law. Well, Craig, in, in 1980, Katerina Brow was found murdered in her trailer home in Ayer, Massachusetts, stabbed multiple times and robbed of $1,800. Kenny Waters, who lived near Brow and had a reputation by, among some as a troublesome kid, was questioned, denied involvement, and produced a solid alibi. But two years later, the confessions of two ex-girlfriends, who each claimed he admitted to the crime, uh, helped convict him of murder Despite the lack of concrete evidence, Kenny received a life sentence without parole. Well, Kenny's younger sister, Betty Ann Waters, who's a wife and mother of two, put herself through high school, college, and ultimately law school in an 18-year crusade to prove her brother's innocence. Through Betty Ann's tireless work and the introduction of newly tested DNA evidence, Kenny Waters' conviction was overturned and he was freed in March of 2001. Hollywood eventually came knocking, and the film Conviction, released by Fox Searchlight Pictures, stars Hilary Swank and Sam Rockwell, and hits theaters on October 15th. Today on Lawyer to Lawyer, we will spotlight Betty Ann Waters, her quest to prove her brother's innocence, her thoughts on the new film, and how she continues to help others like her brother Kenny, who are behind bars and facing wrongful convictions. Welcome to the show, Betty Ann Waters. Thank you for having me. Can you give us a little bit of background on the events that led up to your brother's conviction so that we can set the stage? Well, like you said, um, the, it happened in 1980, and it just so happened um, that it, it was a neighbor of ours, and my brother was living with my grandfather in Ian, Massachusetts. And when I heard about what happened, I drove from Rhode Island to Mass with my mother, an hour and a half ride, and to find out what happened to our neighbor. And when I got there, um, I found out that um, my brother was being questioned. He was asked to come to the station and question, not because they thought he was involved, but because he had a police record. And as it would be, he was in court the morning of the murder for assaulting a local police officer. And when I heard that he was questioned, I think it was the first time in my life I was happy that he was in court because uh, I said, what a, what a great alibi. <laughs> You're in court and you were seen in court. And um, they checked his alibi and checked that he worked at a diner all night, was in court that morning. And they were looking for somebody that had scratches because there was obviously blood left at the scene for the perpetrator. So uh, he was, you know, no, he was, he was never really a suspect anyway. He was only questioned because he had a record. And then he certainly was not a suspect after that. 
two and a half years later, they arrested him. And um, a lot of the evidence that uh, proved his alibi true in the beginning became lost. And he was then arrested and uh, convicted of that murder. Betty Ann, when all that was going on uh, at that time, what, what were your circumstances? What were you doing at that point? Uh, well, let me see. In 1980, I just got, I had just got married. So that was the year that the, the murder happened. And he was arrested in 82. I was married with one son. And he was convicted in 83. That year, I was uh, about to have another son. <laughs> married, you know. And... Uh, Never thought for one second that my brother would be convicted because, first of all, uh, I knew, I know my brother. And when people see this movie, they'll know, like, uh, there are many dimensions to Kenny. And if somebody was to confront Kenny, he doesn't know how to handle that. So, you know, he, he handles things badly, but he's not an aggressor. Like, he will never walk up and set a problem with someone. He certainly would never... Uh, walk into someone's home and murder them for their money. He, that's just not Kenny. He, he, his problems follow him because he doesn't know how to handle situations. You know, um, so I knew number one that he would never do what he was accused of, and number two, I knew the evidence against him was all false. So well, you, well, you set. I mean, at some at, at some point, you you set down this path to, that that brings us here today. How did that all happen? What 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 led you to to make that decision? Well, Kenny did. Kenny uh, is very convincing. Kenny, he's one year older than me, and Kenny always from uh, he was in second grade, I was in first grade. He always made me feel I was so special and could do anything. I mean, his teachers used to send him to my classroom and say, Kenny, sit with your sister, and can you make him act like you? <laughs> make him behave. <laughs> you know, it was kind of like it started from a very young age that Kenny always looked up to me, even though he was older, and made me feel so very special, like I could do anything. But in this situation, uh, what happened was after Kenny was convicted and then lost his appeals, he tried to commit suicide. And I was so upset. I had moved to Florida at that time. Like I was married with two children, and I was very upset with him because he used to call me at least two times a week, and I hadn't heard from him in like a month. And I found out the reason why. I was going crazy, calling his lawyer, doing everything. He was in solitaire because uh, that's what they do when you try to commit suicide. They punish you. And um, when I finally did talk to him, I was very upset with him, mad because he tried to do that. And he said, Betty Ann... I cannot live in prison as an innocent man for something I did not do. I'm just not going to make it here. And in the same conversation, he said to me, but if you, Betty Ann, go to school, go to law school, become a lawyer, you'll get me out of here. And then I'm like, uh, then I'll make it. I'm like, okay, Kenny, I have a GED. (laughs) And... He said, I don't care. You have a GD. If you promise that you'll do it, I know you will. And that's really how much faith he had in me. So I said, well, Kenny, I'll promise you I will go back to school if you promise me you'll stay alive. Like, you won't ever try to commit suicide again. And that was the promise. And that was in 1985. By 1986, I moved back to Rhode Island and enrolled in the community college. <laughs> and I started from there. You ultimately went to Roger Williams Law School. What was the reaction from your family and friends as you got into law school? Did they think that you were 
just crazy or do they, they say, where was everybody behind you? No, they were behind me. Like, I don't think they thought after a while that something would happen. We tried so many things along the way. This isn't all we did. You know what I mean? We kept trying, like, with the appeals process and so many other um, avenues along the way. We kept trying this, trying that. Nothing ever worked. So I think after so many years that I, I think people thought that it wouldn't work. We wouldn't find the answer, and so did I. I didn't think I was going to find the answer. I, I, I believe me, Kenny had the faith, not me. What was what kind of classes did you take at law school that prepared you for what you did afterward? Well, I mean, you guys are lawyers. You know, you, have to, you take all the same classes. There's nothing you can really prepare you for anything. I mean, I, I worked in the public defender's office. Uh, you know, I interned there. Uh, I did things like that. I, I actually did a paper in law school on DNA. You have to do you know that, you know that paper. <laughs> and uh, my topic was DNA, uh, even though Nan, who uh, she was a librarian, was in charge of that class, said, um, you know, she was supposed to okay the classes, like what, I mean the paper that you do. And my topic being DNA, she said, there's not enough, ev- there's not enough material on DNA, so you should probably pick something else. And I'm like, uh, no, I'm going to do it on DNA <laughs> because I really thought that would help my brother. And uh, I saw her a couple of years ago, and I hugged her. I loved her. She said, Betty, if only you knew that that's why you were doing it, because she didn't know why I wanted to do it on DNA. But Did you tell people when you were going to law school why you were doing it? No, because I, I, I learned a long time ago. I used to tell people, you know, that you'd meet along the way. I said, yeah, I have a brother in, in prison for murder, but he's innocent. And I would get that look on their face like, God, we really like you, Betty Ann. I feel so sad for you that you think you're innocent. <laughs> but they wouldn't say it. Do you know what I mean? Just the look. And uh, I learned long ago just to stop talking about it until I met my very best friend, Abba Rice, who is now a public defender in New Haven, Connecticut. Uh, she's played by Minnie Driver in the movie. And I told her, I think I met her like almost the first day of law school. And there was something about her that I knew she was going to be my best friend, I think. And I told her about it and she believed me right away. And I think she's the one, she helped me through law school. You know what I mean? Like her friendship was everything to me. And even after, as portrayed in the movie, she helped me, um, make it so they did not retry Kenny because they were going to. And she helped me reinvestigate the case, do a lot of work. So she became more than a best friend. (laughs) Did you enroll in any legal clinic classes in law school? Did you get some practical experience before you graduated? Uh, Yeah, a little bit. Like I said, I I did a lot of internship at the public defender's office. And they helped me a lot with criminal defense and, you know, running your way through the court system. So, Betty, when you got out of law school uh, and you had had this mission in going there, uh, what did you do next? How did you go about uh, tackling your brother's uh, case at that point? Well, I learned about the Innocence Project when I did my paper on DNA, and I learned about Barry Shack, who is my real-life hero. And, I and, a, and a lot of people's hero, I have to say. Oh, my God, and he should be. He is just... Um, I, he's like my really good friend now, but back then I prayed just to talk to him. <laughs> you know, like he wrote that book, Actual Innocence. Well, uh, I'm sorry, John Dwyer wrote the book, but yeah. it's about him and Peter Neufeld right. from the Innocence Project, and it's it, it, it shows ten people's lives that were wrongly convicted, 
and what they went through until they were later released and exonerated, I prayed that my brother would be one of those people and that I could even talk to Barry Shark. And as it turned out, of course, I did end up talking to Barry Shark. He helped me help my brother. And I will never forget the first... I mean, I tried for a couple of years to even... He has hundreds of people, so I was on a list of hundreds of people. But because I became a lawyer and found the evidence... um, I got to talk to Barry Sheck real fast. So and you found the evidence before you talked to Barry. This is the the, cur- yeah. the curtain. Is it is it or is, is the what? Some, was it was it a curtain or something that you found? Or? Well, it, yes, it was a curtain that that was above a sink where the perpetrator wiped their bloody their hands, the bloody hands. They they were like washing the hands in the sink. The water was still running when the police arrived, and the the curtain above that sink was bloodied. They wiped the hands in the curtain. And so I knew from the trial, because I went to the trial every day, I knew that's what I was looking for. Plus, there were droplets of blood from the perpetrator leading into the closet where money was stolen. And so I, there were little pieces of that in bags. I know, So I knew what I was looking for. And when I opened the box, I didn't want to touch anything because I didn't know too much about DNA or anything. So I just looked and I saw it and I said, oh, my God, it's there. That's what I needed to have tested. And how did you? Can you tell the story of how you how you came upon this evidence? Well, it, it, it it's it's kind of like I didn't want anybody in Massachusetts to know that I was Kenny's lawyer, that it was his sister becoming a lawyer to, to help him because we lost faith in that system a long time ago, as you can imagine. And I thought someone, if they knew I was going to help Kenny, would lose this evidence. It would just be gone. So I would have my friends from law school call and say they were working on a paper. And they were were looking at the Waters case, and they were just doing a paper on it. Can you please look to see if there's evidence? And every time somebody would call, they'd say, no, we don't have anything. But we called so many times that finally uh, a real Mrs. Halloran did look in the basement of the courthouse and uh, said, oh, yeah, we have a, a box here with Waters' name on it, finally. you know. And when I heard that, I drove the hour and a half from... Rhode Island, right to the clerk's office, and said, hi, I'm Betty Ann Waters. I am Kenny Waters' sister and his attorney, and I want to see that evidence box. And she said, "Uh, sister, you can't see the box. You're a sister. And I said, this is all in the movie, too. I'm his lawyer first, sister second. I'm not leaving here unless I see that box. And it took a little while. I had to sit there for a while, and um, everybody's talking, you know, what do we do, what do we do, you know? And the court was closed. It was after 4 o'clock. And um, finally she said, okay, you can look at the box. And everybody was around me, so everybody was staring at me, look at the box, which was okay with me. And uh, But when I saw what was in there, I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I felt like this is it, you know? And uh, it was after that that I called the Innocence Project again. And when I told them I found the evidence, uh, Wee Dow, who, who was the intake person at the time, said, well, you know, Betty Ann, you're already a lawyer. You found the evidence. Barry Sheck will be your consultant without a problem. Uh, and he'll give you a call. The next day I got a call from Barry Sheck. And it was like, I'm talking to Barry Sheck on the phone. I couldn't even believe it. And I will never forget what he said to me. He said, Betty Ann, if your brother is innocent and he already read the transcripts, he knew everything. He said, this is a travesty of justice and we will get him out. And I think it was at that moment that I knew my brother was going to come home. 
Can you talk a little bit about the release of Kenny? The release? The day? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh, my God. It was the best day ever. Uh, of, I, I think it was the best. Uh, I mean, besides having my children, <laughs> it might be the best day of my life. Um, I was just, it's so funny because there was an article in the New York Times and it shows the picture of me holding Kenny's hand. I'm pulling him. And I remember that day, it was the day he was released, and I'm pulling him out the door. I think I just want to get out the door before they change their mind, <laughs> you know, and I remember the air hitting us in the face and me holding his hand and like, it was surreal and we jumped right into a cab and it was funny, Abra was in the cab and he had spoken to Abra on the phone but never met Abra and, but he knew who she was right away. He says, hi Ab, how you doing? Like, like as if he's been here all along, you know, it was like an amazing day and I just kept looking at him like, you're out, you're free, like we're in, uh, we're in a lawyer's office waiting for to do a press conference. I kept looking at him. It was he had a corned beef sandwich. I'm just looking at him like, oh my god! I, I think Barry Sheck went and got him uh, Starbucks coffee. <laughs> they never even heard of. What, what did it, it Kenny like, say? What What did Kenny say to you when he heard the news that he was going to get out? Uh, he's like, first of all, he was almost speechless when I said, because uh, he was very anxious. It's it's really a longer story than we have time to talk about, but um, the closer we got to his release, the more anxious he was. And for the last two years of his incarceration, it was probably the worst ever because he knew that we had the evidence and he should be out. So when I finally said, I, no, I kept telling him, you, you have to be patient, you have to be patient. And so when I called him, I said, hi, Ken. They actually let me call the prison this time to tell him because usually, as you know, they have to call home collect. <laughs> you know, you can't call them. But I called the prison and said, please, you know, I told them the situation and they let Kenny come into this little office. Kenny thought he was being punished for something. You know, like the the, the uh, guards were calling him to the office and he's on the phone and I said, hi, Ken. Spitty Ann. I said, yes. I said, Ken, how would you like to come home tomorrow? He's like, what? And then it was silent. I'm like, Kenny, are you there? I don't know what he was doing, but it was so silent, and I, I, I think he didn't believe it. But he, but he told me later. Uh, am I talking too much? No, not at all. <laughs> okay. What he told me later was that uh, everybody in prison was so happy because it was on the news that night. Also, that Kenny was going to be released, and they're like, "What is man? You got to be shitting me! You weren't lying. Your your sister." really is a lawyer. She's really getting you out of prison because he kept saying it to people, but you know, people, you know, people just talk and they're going, boy, yes, this doesn't look anything like you. <laughs> and like laughing and saying, you know, jokes like that. And it was funny because Kenny shaved his head. Like if you see pictures of him, like a bald, but he has hair. I'm like, Kenny, why'd you shave your head? He said, I want people to remember this mug. <laughs> and, uh, they sure did. They knew where he went. They, you're that guy. You're that guy, you know, from TV. Well, Betty Ann, we need to take a short break. When we return, we'll talk more with Betty Ann Waters about her brother, Kenny, and the movie Conviction. Has the recent economic climate affected the financial goals of your firm? Get back on track with help from SunTrust. Our private wealth management legal specialty group works solely with lawyers and their firms to deliver unique solutions designed for the legal community. SunTrust advisors give you sound guidance on everything from maximizing cash flow and waiting through benefits planning to understanding how to retain attorneys and staff. 
Learn more at www.suntrust.com slash legal. SunTrust. Live solid. Bank solid. SunTrust Bank. Member FDIC. Imagine how much easier managing your practice would be if your practice management software was web-based. Your practice would be available anywhere you have an internet connection, completely secure, backed up continuously, and most importantly, easy to use, allowing you to spend your valuable time building your practice instead of managing technology. Start simplifying your practice today with Clio. Sign up for a free, fully functional 30-day trial at www.goclio.com. Use promotional code L2L for a 25% discount. Engage your brain. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and listen to all the great legal podcasts. It's the office calling again. Don't answer it. Why not? I'm listening to Legal Talk Network podcasts to get my CLE credit in West Legal Ed Center. Oh, yeah. I need to do that, too. Where do I find them? It's easy. Just go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and pick a program for CLE, click on it, and start listening. Or go to WestLegalEdCenter.com and choose from any of the Legal Talk Network programs available for CLE. That's perfect. The office can wait. Welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. We are joined by Betty Ann Waters, who led an 18-year fight to prove her brother's innocence. Uh, so, so Betty Ann, let's let's talk a little bit about that. I, I read somewhere that that uh, right after your brother uh, was released, that uh, the, the the calls and, and letters and whatever from uh, uh, media people started coming in, uh, and, and you were resisting that at first. Uh, how did it? come about uh, the, yeah. that this movie came to be made? Well, it, it, it's really funny because in the movie, it, it has Kenny still in prison when they when uh, Martha Coakley uh, said they would retry Kenny or that he would be an accessory or, you know, all these things. She wasn't going to just let him, like, be free. Yeah, she was, she was the, the real, DA then in Middlesex County. She's, yes. Yeah. The real story is that Kenny was released because of the DNA, but... He might have been retried. So, um, for the next three months, Kenny lived with me, and Barry Sheck, myself, and my friend Abra were on the road trying, you know, uh, getting talking to witnesses and, 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 you know, building up his case. At, at that time, Kenny was answering my phone at home, and it was Hollywood calling. <laughs> and uh, so he would be talking, he was talking to everyone. And I'd come home, he'd be like, well, this one called, that one called. I'm like, what? And I'm like, all right, Kenny, maybe you shouldn't answer the phone because I don't want to talk to Hollywood. And he's like, uh, okay. But, of course, he never listened to me anyway, and he would just keep answering the phone. And um, after, like, two months, it never stopped. And I realized that I have to do something proactive because uh, they were going to make a movie. Kenny kept saying, Betty Ann, this is going to be a movie made about you. And I kept saying, well, if it's going to be made, it's going to be made about both of us because it's not just me. You know, like, it's Kenny, too. And um, long story short, I ended up meeting Andy Karsh, who was one of the producers. And I, that was through Barry Shack. He was He's his friend and neighbor. Because uh, Barry Shack was the only person I probably trusted in the plan at that point. And he uh, reached out to Andy Karsh. And we went to New York, me and Kenny and Abra and my friend Aiden and Barry. We all had lunch. And Andy Karsh said to me, Betty Ann, I want to make this movie about you but it's also about Kenny. 
because Kenny is such a character because he just had lunch with them. If you had lunch with Kenny, you know he's a character. So I said, sold right there. When he, when he said that to me, I'm like, well, he gets it. Can you just give us your kind of your 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 final thoughts on this whole experience and, and what you've taken away from it all? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what I'd like to happen right now is from this movie. Of course, the Innocence Project, Innocence Project is everything to me. Innocenceproject.org is everything to me. And uh, if I hear at least even one time that somebody did something or did not do something, and another person that was innocent was set free, I will be the happiest woman on earth. Well, thank you very much for your time. We really appreciate your being with us today, and congratulations on the movie. And thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, bye. Thanks, bye. Well, Craig, it's it's ironic uh, because I, I noticed uh, this morning, uh, listening to the news, that there's a case at, at the Supreme Court today that, that's being pushed by the Innocence Project. So uh, uh, their work continues. There's a lot of controversy about the Innocence Project uh, among in some sectors. I, I, I agree with her that she's a real... Uh, that Barry Shack and the Innocence Project are, are uh, do heroic work. I, I've read criticism of them. Uh, some who say that they're uh, just in it for the money because they often follow up these uh, these exonerations with civil lawsuits and and uh, do it on a contingency basis. But uh, I say, uh, frankly, I say, God bless them if they can get innocent people out of jail. They deserve to be well paid for it. If that, if that's in fact what's happening. As do the people that uh, have been wrongly imprisoned in jail. Well, Bob, that does it for this week's Lawyer to Lawyer. For our listeners, remember, you can check out all of our Lawyer to Lawyer shows at LegalTalkNetwork.com. That's right. And uh, again, a special thanks to Betty Ann Waters for being with us today. The the film Conviction uh, hits theaters uh, this week. Uh, and... Uh, be sure to look for it. And, of course, a reminder to our listeners that they can find all of our programs uh, also uh, at uh, an iTunes and uh, get CLE credit by uh, coming to LegalTalkNetwork.com and clicking on the West Legal Ed Center link there and following that if they want to get CLE credit for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer. And all of our Legal Talk Network shows on this network can be found on iTunes. We'll be back again next week to discuss another great legal topic. When you want legal, think lawyer to lawyer. See you next week, Bob. And we'll see you then, Craig. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi. Every week, a new legal topic that you won't want to miss. We hope you'll listen again and check out our other shows on the Legal Talk Network. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.